All right, well, welcome back to our Relationship Goals series. How's everybody doing? Good. Well, it's great to see everybody here. We started off last week uh, by talking about how we're going to quit taking the easy way out uh, in our relationships. We're going to quit simply patching everything up, and we're going to start making things new. And uh, I feel like there was an incredible response uh, to that call to action. We saw hundreds of people at uh, our different programs throughout the week, and all around social media was a buzz. And it's very exciting to see you guys taking action, but today I want to talk about transition. So when we decide to stop doing something and to start doing something else, there's always a time of transition, and that time is critical. And when we're talking about something as important as our relationships, uh, it becomes vital that we get that right. So we're going to spend some time talking about that today, but before we do, let me pray for us. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for this time, again, to come together and to learn from you. And so, God, again, just uh, communicate to our hearts exactly what we need to hear and what we need to learn. Block out any distractions that may be getting to us. Um, and we give you this time in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Now, many of you know that I've been playing in bands for about the last 10 years. Uh, the first six years were with the same band. Now, when we first started we were horrible. Like, I have no idea how we ever booked a single show, but we did, and that show led to some other shows, and over time, we got better a little bit by a little bit, uh, and pretty soon, we were making a living out of it. I was traveling and playing music full-time, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Now, there's a lot of things that go into making a good band. There's uh, stage presence and songwriting skills. Obviously, uh, just musical talent has to go into it. But there's one crucial piece that I could never seem to get right early in my musical career, which is transitions. Now, transitions are simple. It's just how you get from the end of one song to the beginning of the next song. And it may not seem like a big deal, but it's actually one of the keys to differentiate between great bands and well, not so great bands, and unfortunately, I found myself on the latter side way too often. So we would be into a song, and everyone would like it, and, and you could feel the energy in the room, and the song would end, and everybody was awaiting what was going to happen next, and there we were, the band, just looking at each other like idiots with no clue how to get into the next song. But luckily, during that time, my parents started attending City Church, and I remember coming to my very first service, and I sat right up there, and I listened to the band, and they played this opening song, and it was awesome, and everyone was into it, and the song ended, and everybody cheered. And then, out of nowhere, and all at once, the band launched full force into the next song, and it was the most incredible transition I'd ever seen. I mean, all I could think was, how'd they do that? Well, a few years later, I was hired as a worship leader here at City Church, and I found the secret to how the band creates incredible transitions.
So you can clap. It's okay. You can. They did good. Yeah. Okay, so how'd they do that? Like, I don't know if you understand how difficult it is for a six-piece band to all come in at the exact same time, at the exact same moment. It's incredibly difficult. And so what's the secret? What's the magic behind this? Well, today, you're lucky because we're going to get you some behind-the-scenes action, okay? We're going to give you the secret to how this goes down in our services. And it isn't magic, and it definitely isn't blind luck. It's all about something called the click track. Now, you probably have never heard of a click track. What it is, is it's simply a device that creates a consistent rhythm for a musician to play along with. Now, what we do here at City Church is we pipe this click track directly into the in-ear monitors, these headphones that you see all these guys wearing up here. And what that means is that they can hear the click track, and you can't. And what it does is it keeps everyone in rhythm, and it helps the band be united. And most importantly, it guides the band through difficult transitions. So if you still don't understand what's going on, that's okay, no worries. We're going to show you. And so we're going to do the exact same musical piece that we just did, but this time you are going to hear what the band hears. Chorus, two, three, four. <laughs> Yeah, so y'all help me thank the band for helping with the talk today. And so that's how it works. Maybe you had no idea. We're, we're cheating the whole time up here. But that's what helps us stay together, and it helps us stay in rhythm, and it helps us get through all of our transitions. And so today I want to talk about how the same way that solid musical transitions can make or break a band the transitions that happen in our life can easily make or break our relationships. And so what is a life transition? Well, a life transition is when something changes or disrupts your everyday flow of life. So things like losing a job or moving to a new place, being diagnosed with a new disease, experiencing death or trauma in your family, uh, cheating on someone or being cheated on, having children, starting a new relationship, or anything else that disrupts your normal expected flow of life, it creates a transition. Now these transitions are complicated by relationships because at the same time that you're having to reorient yourself, at the same time that you're having to work through a transition in a healthy and positive way, now you're doing it in tandem with someone else, with someone who has different thoughts about how it should go down, with someone who has different worldviews than you do. And so these transitions create incredible stress on our relationships. 
And so some of you are in a transition right now because last week you decided you're not going to patch things up. You're going to do relationships differently. And you're on a journey to start something new. But there is a time of transition, even in positive things. And it's critical that we learn how to transition well if we want to achieve relationship goals. So I think of things like uh, people who have been friends, best friends, all the way through middle school and high school, and then they go to college, and they're like, yeah, let's be roommates. And then they end up hating each other. See, this transition threw off their relational rhythm. They went from being friends to roommates, and it messed everything up. Or in a marriage, when someone loses a job, this transition creates a financial burden that can drive a wedge into the happy union. Or, you know, people experience trauma. Maybe they're diagnosed with cancer, or they come home with PTSD, or all sorts of other bad things that can take place in our lives. When I was preparing for this talk, I, I saw a study by the U.S. National Institute of Health and it said that divorce rates among parents who have lost a child are as much as eight times higher than the normal divorce rate of parents. See, we go through these transitions and they throw off our relational rhythms and, and sometimes it's too much to bear. And it gets really difficult. And it creates all kinds of relational problems. You know, back when I was playing in bands, once we actually got into a song, once we were in the flow of the music, we were actually pretty good. And I think in our relationships, when we're in our everyday expected flow of life, things are usually pretty good. It's the transitions that kill us. And so, what if we found a way to navigate these difficult life transitions? What if there was something that could set the rhythm for our relationships? Well, today we're going to look in the Bible at the Apostle Peter. Now, Peter was a guy who had all kinds of transition issues in his relationship with Jesus. Peter had been following Jesus for quite a while. He was one of the 12 disciples and he was actually uh, one of the inner three, so the three people who were closest to Jesus. It was James and John and Peter. And so Peter was very close. Him and Jesus loved each other. What an incredible opportunity. And Peter had watched as Jesus performed incredible miracles. And he watched Jesus rise to this rock star status. And everywhere they went, people were mobbing them just to get close and to get a glimpse of Jesus, this new Messiah. And so in Peter's mind, the logical next step was for Jesus to set up an earthly kingdom. I mean, why not? He had uh, incredible power he had displayed through his miracles, and he had the backing of all the people. And so why not set up a kingdom, maybe even someday an empire? And what an opportunity that would be for Peter. I mean, he's one of the inner three. You have to assume that he would be way up in the palace hierarchy. And so he would have power and luxury and affluence and like the ultimate relationship goals, just chilling with Jesus in the palace but one day, all of that changed. One day, at the height of his fame, Jesus pulled his disciples aside, and he told them, speaking of himself, the Son of Man, Jesus, 
must suffer many things and be rejected, and he must be killed and after three days rise again. Now, this was a huge transition for how Peter had been thinking about Jesus' ultimate goals. Everything that he thought he was in rhythm with Jesus on had been completely shattered. And in his mind, if you can imagine, Peter is going from like planning out his palace racquetball schedule to fearing that he would be back to being a poor fisherman. And he wasn't having any of that. So he pulled Jesus aside and he said, never, Lord, this will never happen to you. And scripture tells us that when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, that he rebuked Peter Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now listen, I don't pretend to know everything about the Bible, but I'm pretty sure Satan is not what you want Jesus calling you. (laughs) This is a bad first step for Peter, and I, I wish that I could tell you he learned his lesson by completely screwing up this transition, but he didn't. All through scripture, we see Peter overreacting and speaking out of turn and putting his foot in his mouth. The most famous example happened the night before Jesus died. Jesus had all his disciples together and they were eating the the last supper. Jesus was telling them that he was preparing to die. And then he told them that when that happened, when he came under persecution, that they, all the disciples, would scatter. They would run for their lives. And so, of course, out of the 12 disciples, here comes Peter, ready to argue with Jesus again. And he said, even if they all fall away, I will not. Now, you have to appreciate Peter's persistence here. Um, But if you're going to pick someone to argue with, don't pick Jesus. (laughs) It's like, I don't know if you have that friend who just Googles, like every time there's a debate or an argument, they just like, they just Google the end. You can't argue with that person. You are not smarter than Google. You will not win that argument. And Jesus is infinitely smarter and wiser and more powerful than Google. Peter didn't stand a chance, but that didn't stop him. He got even more dramatic, and he said, Jesus, even if I have to die, I will never leave you. You see, in Peter's mind, he was... A warrior. He was resilient. He was loyal to the end. He had expectations of himself that he would never leave Jesus in his time of need. But if you've read the story, you know that scripture tells us that Peter did leave him. Peter did run to save his own life. In fact, Peter denied even knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times that night, he denied Jesus. He was going through an incredible transition. The guy who he had dedicated his life to was being hauled away to be killed, and it threw off his relational rhythm. He was all out of sorts. Peter was lost, and he realized what he had done. And all he had left to do was to stop and to weep. And so I wonder if you have transition issues. If sometimes you feel like you're out of rhythm with all of the people around you. 
Because let's be honest, life is hard and it's complicated and relationships can be incredibly taxing. There's nothing worse than living in a house where you feel like a stranger to the person that you're married to or having children who you don't believe have one ounce of respect for you or having friends who are constantly leaving you for bigger or better things. Relationships are just hard. And when the world throws these difficult transitions, they become even harder. I think we all feel like this at times. And so what I hope is that today you find some relief in Peter's story. I hope you see that you're not alone. I mean, Peter was in a relationship with the only perfect person to ever walk the earth, and he still screwed it up all the time. But the great news is that Peter's story wasn't over And if you're here and you're going through hard times and you feel like there's no hope for your relationships, I want you to hear me say to you that your story isn't over yet either and that there is hope for you. So if we fast forward a couple of months, this is Peter's next public appearance and you can imagine the shame and humiliation he's felt, the story he's gotten around. He turned his back on Jesus But the Peter that we find is a completely different man. And so in his first public appearance, he gets up in front of a huge crowd and he preaches one of the greatest sermons ever recorded in history. And the Bible tells us what happened immediately. It says that those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Peter got up, the last time people had seen him, he was running around swearing he didn't know Jesus. He stands up and preaches and 3,000 people believe in Jesus. This moment in scripture is the start of the movement that we call the church. It's the start of the movement that we call Christianity. It started with Peter. So how? Well, Peter was on fire. Everywhere he went, People who were sick were getting healed and people were believing in Jesus and the religious elite at the time felt like their power was being threatened and so they grabbed Peter and his friend, the apostle John, and they threw Peter and John into prison and then they dragged him out of prison and they got a council of all the A-team together and they put them on trial and their goal was to intimidate them, to scare and manipulate them into never speaking about Jesus again. Peter and John's lives were on the line. And you got to remember, this is Peter. This is the same Peter who rebuked Jesus the first time he told the disciples about his coming death. This is the same Peter who ran scared to save his own skin while Jesus was being killed. This same Peter is now standing imprisoned with his own life on the line, but this time... This time things were different. And when it was finally his turn to speak, Peter spoke with so much power and with so much authority that not only did they release Peter and John from imprisonment, but the Bible tells us that when the religious leaders saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. 
You see, this is a new day, and even though Peter was going through one of the most difficult transitions of his life, he was able to navigate it in such an amazing way that even his enemies who stood there before him looked at each other and said, how'd he do that? How did this ordinary fisherman do that? And so that's the question. How did Peter do it? What had changed? How could he go from constant transition issues to perfect relational rhythm? Well, I left out the best part of the story. You see, before Jesus left earth and ascended back to heaven, he, he promised the disciples that he would send a helper for everyone who believes. This helper is called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God who comes and actually lives inside of people who believe in Jesus. You see, Peter's change wasn't because he started trying harder or he had some incredible epiphany. In fact, it wasn't about Peter at all. See, it's no coincidence that right before Peter got up and gave an incredible sermon where 3,000 people came to believe in Christ that the Bible tells us what happened. It said that suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and all of the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. Moments before Peter's life turned around, the Holy Spirit came and indwelled him and all the other believers and everything changed. Peter got up and he preached with fire in his bones and he started the church and then he began healing the sick and he stood up to the religious elite and he built churches. He wrote books of the Bible. Everything was different. And it all happened because of the Holy Spirit. And so the question today is, what is setting the rhythm in your relationships? Every time a difficult transition happens in your life, does it feel like your world is falling apart? Do you have these transition issues? What's, what's keeping you in rhythm with the people around you? Because to be clear, there is something. You know, the world offers us all kinds of choices, all kinds of things to build the foundations of our relationships on. And so for some people, we set the rhythms of our relationship based on what's most comfortable. Or for some people, they set it based on sex. Or for some people, on power or manipulation or, or greed or trying to build their brand or get more and more popular. For some people, trauma that happened in our past still sets our relational rhythms today. Now, these are all real options. These are all real ways that people are setting their relational rhythms, but I want to suggest that these, these can't sustain relations through the difficult transitions in life. And there's a reason. The reason is because all of the things that the world and that our culture offers us is still about you. And so what happens is it's on you and the pressure is on you and the difficulty is on you. And when you're in a relationship with someone, it's up to you to figure out how to navigate the difficult transitions in your life. And I'm afraid what happens is what happened to me in my old band where you end up just looking at each other trying to figure it out. And it begins to feel hopeless. 
And we get into these situations in our relationship where we want to just simply give up. But Peter shows us today in scripture that there's another option. You see, if we want to have great transitions, the Holy Spirit has to set the rhythm. If we want to have great transitions in our lives, the Holy Spirit has to set the rhythm. What an incredible opportunity that we can rely on something bigger than ourselves. The Holy Spirit that has direct access to God, God who created the world, God who can see the future, God who knows you by name. And see, what happens is when we begin to rely on the Holy Spirit to set the rhythm in our relationships, we have something now that transcends us, that is bigger than us, that can see the big picture. And it changes everything. It takes the pressure off of us. And we get to rely on Jesus. You think about the apostle Peter and how he kept screwing everything up. He kept messing up and kept messing up because he was doing it by his own power. He was trying to do it by his own might. He was figuring it out by himself. But then the Holy Spirit came and everything changed. See, Peter surrendered to the Holy Spirit. He gave up the control of his relational rhythms. And we can watch through the rest of his life as he's able to navigate difficult transitions again and again. And so we have to decide, are we going to set the rhythm? Are we going to surrender? Are we going to give it up and let the Holy Spirit set the rhythm for us? And I believe that if you want great transitions, that the Holy Spirit has to set the rhythm. Now, this is a big concept, right? Big spiritual idea. The Holy Spirit coming and, and living inside of you. Being like the, the click track of your life, right? Guiding you through these difficult moments. And you can't really write it down on paper how it works. And you can't create a, a logarithm to tell you how to do it. It has to be by faith. And we are called to be people who walk by faith and not by sight. And the same goes for our relationships. I don't know about you, but every time I try to take control of all my relationships, I usually end up ruining them. It's too much. It's too much pressure. There's too much heartache. There's too much confusion. And so if you're ready today to... Begin living by faith in your relationships. The ultimate relationship goal being that connected to your heavenly father. Then I want to give us an opportunity today to pray towards that. And so if today you want to start a journey to say in all my transitions and all the problems that come against me and all my relational conflict, I want to rely on the Holy Spirit. I want to know what that means. I want to experience that the way that the Apostle Peter experienced that. Then I just want to ask you to stand. Now, fully relying on the Holy Spirit, this is daily. This is waking up every day and, and surrendering your control and giving the Holy Spirit permission to guide you and to lead you and, and to convict you. 
But there's also a supernatural part of it. And so if you're ready and if you just want to receive whatever God has for you, then, then I want to ask us all to actually show it with our posture. And so if you want to do that, I just, just simply hold your arms out with your palms facing upwards. There's nothing magical about this. All this is, this is a posture that says, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive whatever it is that God has for me today. I'm ready to learn. I'm not closed off. I'm not angry. I'm just ready. And so I want to spend a minute praying over you. You're welcome uh, to pray along with me, but I just want to pray for you. For everyone watching online, for everyone in the video cafe, I want to pray for you and for your relationships. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will do something in your life that's unexplainable, that changes everything. Let's pray. So God, we, we thank you. We thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for every person that is listening to my voice right now. I thank you for their lives and for their unique stories. God, we want to be real. We know life is hard sometimes. God, we know that there are people in here right now whose hearts are broken and who are in the middle of relational crisis. God, we know that there is trauma that has been experienced by the people in this room. But God, we also know that you created us for relationship. We know that you love us and you want what's best for us. And God, sometimes all we have to do is get ourselves out of the way so that we can see exactly where you want to take us. And so God, that's what we want today. It's why our hands are open to you today, God. Because we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. God, we've tried it. We've tried setting our own relational rhythm and we've just hit wall after wall and we've messed it up again and again and so we surrender control. We surrender control of our relationships to you, God. I ask for an unbelievable filling of the Holy Spirit in every life, God. That every morning we would wake up and before we start working and before we start worrying, God, before we do anything, we would surrender to you again and again, day after day. And we would watch as you guide us through anything that comes at us, any difficult transition, God, that we would watch in amazement as you begin to change these people's lives, as you begin to heal relationships, as you begin to bring children and parents back together, as you heal marriages, God, as you strengthen friendships, not because of us, God, not because of our power, but because of you, because you've given us a helper, you've given us, us your Holy Spirit. And so God, we're your children and we're asking, God, we're asking that you show us, God, that you reveal to us, that you give us your spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen.